Welcome back to the Tape Store, everyone. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. And we are in the midst of, you know, we live in the Atlanta, Georgia area, so we're, we're in the midst of the lockdown quarantine time in yeah. this general area. Uh, schools are canceled up to the middle of April at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, cr- I mean, I'm already thinking forward to like, well, we're going to look back on this particular episode, like, just so we are explicit, like, we're, we're talking about the coronavirus, COVID-19. Yes. Um, we live in Georgia. We know that it is actually already pretty severe in other places like, you know, Toby's sister lives in California and now the, the entire state of California is on lockdown. So, right. We, we podcasters are in an interesting, um, time period right now because everyone's at home yeah. everywhere. It's very like, I don't know. It's a strange thing. So we're all kind of like, Oh wow. We have this weird time on our hands right. to do stuff. And well, unless you have two little children and are teaching from home, yes, and are teaching from home. So, you know, never mind. <laughs> just to take a few minutes, you know, to talk about what we're dealing with, yeah. Um, before we jump into our topic this week, which is really exciting, um, yes, for us. But yeah, so we're both public school teachers, right? We both got the word that school is going to be shut down uh, initially for a week. Then it went from a week to basically all the way up to spring break, which I believe is April 6th. Yeah, uh, spring break begins April 6th, yeah. and then we go back to school. Well, <laughs> theoretically, so we're back 3rd. to school the 13th. So we're out of school at this point up to April 3rd. Right. And then... And that would basically be... And then we were, we're planning yeah. on coming back after spring break. And of course, we don't know for sure... Yeah, you know, that, the more we see on the news, the more we wonder if that's still going to be the truth or not. But and, yeah, but that's the plan. Mm-hmm. And we're sending our students um, materials to do uh, school work at home. Yeah, it's through called, Google Classroom. Yeah, called distance learning. Yeah, yes. Google allows you to do just about anything. And our son is in kindergarten. Now, he's not doing any online distance stuff he's other than like websites like that he can access through his tablet or whatever our daughter is three and knows not the difference nope she's (laughs) none the wiser (laughs) she's none the wiser um so the time that we have on our hands is essentially just making sure our pantry is uh reasonably stocked yes and making sure our children aren't killing each other right that's been real yeah so and it's been it's been tough for a couple of days with them. <laughs> they have been absolutely unable to get along. No. But yeah, so that's basically what we've been dealing with. So all the time, I mean, if you're if you don't have kids, I'm I'm certain you have a lot of time on your hands. Right. Uh, during this time, and hope that you're staying safe. And yes, please wash your hands. And... Being responsible out there and and following all the the proper protocols and and if you have some free time, you know, checking out. Some cool podcasts, maybe like this one. Who knows? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the topic. Yes. Let's talk about what we're talking about I'm excited. this week. Yeah. This week we're talking about the 1986 film directed by Jim Henson, Labyrinth, a cult classic. And I I don't understand how it's a cult classic because it, it, it's beyond me how the Labyrinth or Labyrinth. I used to call it the Labyrinth growing up. Yeah. I I, I think I, I did too. I think recently I realized that it's just called Labyrinth. Right. As I, you know, when I'm a kid and I'm watching these movies, if I really like them, I just think they're great. And then when you get older and you realize that, wait, that movie really wasn't well received. Right. That movie didn't do well at the box office. And it absolutely shocked me that Labyrinth did not fare well on its, in, on its initial release. Right. 
Um, in fact, I'll go here. Wikipedia gives us a lot of uh, knowledge. Um, that <laughs> Information, maybe not knowledge. Yeah, information, whatever you want to call it, right? <laughs> I'll take it with a grain of salt. Of course, uh, if you're writing, if you're in college and you're writing a research paper, please don't use yes, it. Yes, I tell my students that if they use Wikipedia, I'll set their papers on fire. But so. yeah, yep. but Wikipedia does have some uses, and in this case, we're not using it for no. um, information that's going to be cited in some kind of. No, these are perfect circumstances. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> the budget for Labyrinth was twenty-five million dollars. Lord, which. I mean, seems like not very much money, I would think, compared to how much it costs to make films today. This does but, sound like a lot. <laughs> but, well, it probably was a lot for that time. You got to yeah. think of, you know, inflation and all that. But according to the box office, it made $12.9 million. So it made just over half of the money that was put into making it. So it didn't even break even. No. That's crazy. Now, it did do well on home video sales and rentals and stuff like that. So, and then of course, over time has been more appreciated. Yeah. For me, the appreciation was immediate. I mean, I love Labyrinth. Yeah. I didn't see it right away. Obviously I saw it when I was in middle school and completely and totally loved it. Again, so I thought it was bizarre and wonderful. Right. Now it came out in 1986. It was a summer release in the United States, June 27th, 1986. We didn't see it in the theaters. There are, I believe, three movies. Yep, <laughs> three. Three movies that I call it like the trilogy of movies that I thought I was going to hate <laughs> and ended up loving them. My mom went to the tape. I'm going to go to the tape store. That we, we Again, if, if you're maybe listening for the first time or didn't catch this, our very first episode... Uh, the reason why we name our show The Tape Store is it comes from what my mom used to call the video rental store yeah. or Blockbuster. We had Blockbuster, Movie Gallery. Yes, yeah, so for you it was Tape Store. We call it the video store. Yeah. And mom would say, well, let's go to the tape store and get a tape, you know? <laughs> so that's why we call that's why we call our show The Tape exactly. Store. It's, it's Yeah, so mom said, I'm going to go to the tape store. And I'm like, well, what are you going to get? Well, I'm gonna, I'll figure it out, you know? And these three particular occasions... We didn't go with my mom. Right. And she brought back. You trusted her with something very We precious. trusted her, yeah. So when we got home, I think I was either with my dad or something, and we ended up getting home, and, and I was like, Mom, let me see the movie. Let me see the movie. One was Goonies. Amazing. Amazing. But when but I, you didn't I, know I, that. I didn't, I'd never heard of it. So I looked at it and said, what the heck's the Goonies? <laughs> and Mom's like, you're going to like it. And she couldn't have been more right. I mean, the Goonies oh, was. Oh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's one of the best movies ever. The second one was, get ready, Never Ending Story. Yes. Which, again, one of the best movies ever made. And when you're a kid, I, I, one of the movies I wish I could see for the first time again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember again being like, what's Never Ending Story, Mom? And Mom's <laughs> like, just trust me. Just put it in. Press play. Put the tape in. And another one was Labyrinth. Yeah. I was like, what is Labyrinth? Your mom nailed it. Every time. And I think my cousin, Tara. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was my, my dad's uh, sister's daughter. Uh, she was a little older than me, and sometimes she would babysit us. And I think she might have been there. She's like, oh, my gosh, Toby Labyrinth is so good. So you're like, okay, okay, okay. It's got David Bowie in it. And I said. <laughs> That'd be enough. And I asked the question that I never asked again in my entire life. Who is David Bowie? <laughs> and when I watched The Labyrinth, 
good grief. You I knew. mean, you, knew you know who, who David Bowie is. If you don't already, now look, I was a little kid, so I'd never heard of, you know, his incredible music career that had spanned for yeah. like 20 years up to that point. But man, he is that movie. Yeah. He owns and dominates and commands that film. Absolutely. So we watched it that night. Right. And I was an immediate fan. Right. And then, you know, got a little older and then went back and looked at it a second time, you know, and... And and we have tonight's show. <laughs> and we have tonight's show. Uh, well, I mean, I've seen it a few times, but I mean, getting older and actually taking some time to look at the film and research, I was like, man, it wasn't really appreciated. Yeah, they never are. That's just crazy. But go ahead. What? What am I? Oh, just like my initial. Your initial. Okay, so I saw it. I remember. Okay, so I was in when I was in middle school. It was like it was late nineties. So I saw it. You know, easily. You know, ten years after it had come out, and I remember uh, I'd never really heard of it. Probably because my mom was like, probably thought that would be too weird. Yeah, she kind of sheltered you from. Yeah, like, she was maybe like, oh, she themed. she like didn't. I mean, we I watched the Dark Crystal and loved it, but she kind of didn't love that I loved it and. Like I wasn't and, and, allowed to yeah. see the Nightmare Before Christmas. And, and Labyrinth is also Jim Henson, right? So, so and I'm and I was like a, a creepy lover of all things Dark Child. So I was like, Mom, don't shelter me from my loves, but she did. So it's I understand why I never had heard of Labyrinth. So mm-hmm. in middle school, in my theater class, I think it must have been that my teacher was absent, and uh, because you know what do you do when the teacher's absent? You show your kids a movie. And you watch movies. They and wheel, I remember, they wheel the card in. Yes. And I remember this new, there was this new girl in my theater class who, of course, I befriended. And she was super trouble, like super trouble girl. Because I remember thinking she was so, oh, my God, she's she's bad news. She had a, t- <laughs> a tongue piercing. And I was like, oh, my God. Right. Because we were like 12, that- 13 years old. I was like, how do you, how is this, how is this what you have? But uh, she was like, oh, man, this movie is such a stoner movie. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Oh, no. Like, I was just such Labyrinth? a naive. Yes, that's what she, well, I mean. That's what she said. For her, it was. For her. I was like, okay. So she was like, this is a great movie. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Crystal. That was her name, Crystal. And uh, I remember being like, okay, one, David Bowie. Like, yeah, I both just, I, like I both want to be as beautiful as him and I want to date him. And I don't know how that works at the same time. I just I, like I, that's that's my best. We're like, really going to have to really <laughs> be disciplined with our time. I could just talk, yeah, I, I mean, just talk about him. I, I was texting my sister last night about David Bowie in this movie. Just, and Sarah was like, oh, he had it. He had what it. And we're he like, yeah, been, it could have been him for two hours. That's you it. Know, you know the, the the indescribable quality. Like I, I really was trying to describe. Yeah, yeah. He's and, and got it, it. it. It's not just that in Labyrinth. It's really anything he does. Right, but like it's not even but, just his on stage. It's like he's a good actor. But you too. see, but I think that you see all that comprised. Yeah. You see all of his abilities comprised. Jareth. In the Labyrinth, and because I think it was my first real like time seeing him it was like my first yeah you'd never it was seen my first experience with david bowie i was just like that that's what i always go back I, know, to I was like i don't know what first. ride i'm on but i'm i'm here for it yeah all all and for so it straight I, into my veins i also <laughs> like, i also remember really being upset and disturbed by the wild things that took off their body parts Yes, like yeah. I just remember being like, "This is they this were is scared. wildly uncomfortable." I, I mean, I some of them. it is intense because, but Jim, I like it. Jim Henson's Jim Henson's puppetry is so fantastical. Oh, yeah. at a level of intensity, it's like so otherworldly. Yeah, and um, but I just remember being like, "This is so weird and bizarre," but I'm here for it. And I've always kind of had like I've kind of liked it. I loved Jennifer Connelly. I loved her outfit. Like I want to wear it. Like I want to wear what she was wearing. And she, I, I, I don't know why, but I yeah. just do. 
And she was really good in it. She was. I, but, I think um, it, it's a great cast. But I don't want to go too far. But but my initial impressions were it's real. Like I was more on the that was really bizarre, but still so taken with it because I'm here for the bizarre. Right. So it's fine. Of so course. let us let us let us continue down this well, journey. Let's go through the film. In the beginning, the story opens with a David Bowie song. Under it's called Underground. <laughs> and Sorry. well, you find that. The, the score was composed by a guy named Trevor Jones. The music, as far as the lyrical music, the soundtrack was <clears throat> right. written and composed by David Bowie. Yes. Which, again, is another reason why this film is so great. Right. You just have his, not only his acting, not only his visual presentation, but you have his musical ability, which is unquestionable. Right. So I just want to read these lyrics because it, it begins with just this classic 80s soundtrack is yeah. underground is is a quintessential 80s sounding song mm -hmm. late 80s and i want to read the lyrics because then we're going to go into the beginning of the film because really the the song underground it's foreshadowing really tells the yeah. story of of labyrinth and again it's it's the song's being sung from the point of view of who you eventually know to be jareth yeah who is the goblin king portrayed by david bowie and and the who he's singing to and underground is Sarah. Yeah. The the object of his really we, we as we'll talk about what what does Jareth really want? Yeah. Because we're going to get into that yeah, yeah. and 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 uh, surprise, it's deep. Yeah, it's pretty deep. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to read a few of these lyrics. It's no one can blame you for walking away, but too much rejection, no love injection. Life can't be easy. It's not always swell. Don't tell me the truth hurts little girl cuz it hurts like hell. But down in the underground you'll find someone true. Down in the underground, a land serene, a crystal moon. It's only forever, not long at all. That's David Bowie's just incredible writing. It's only forever, not long at all. Lost and lonely, that's underground. And then, daddy, daddy, get me out of here. That's from the that's from the perspective of the chorus. It's from the perspective of, of, of Sarah. Yeah. Daddy, daddy, get me out of here. Heard about a place today. I'm underground. Nothing ever hurts again. So the song is basically saying, hey, little girl, there's a place you can come to to, to leave your life. Yeah. Nothing will ever hurt. You'll be free. So These promises that no one can keep. Right. And it's only forever. It's just a little while. Like, come on with me. And now going into the story, we're going to talk about, because that pretty much tells the story. Yeah. It's very little Red Riding Hood feeling. Yeah. Opening scene, it's filmed really brilliantly because you think that you're almost in another time. Yeah. They film it in this park. There's no building. And she's dressed. She's got like a yeah. period piece dress on. Yeah. And I don't think you saw any architecture like like buildings or cars. No. In that opening scene, you just, just see landscape. her run. And she's quoting a book. Yeah. She has a book conveniently titled Labyrinth, Labyrinth yeah. on it. And so, she's, she's reciting what seems to be a very pivotal scene between her and some sort of antagonist. Yeah. Because she says the Goblin King in the speech. Yeah. She talks about that. And now, then, obviously, we as the viewer, don't know anything about that yet. And the part that she is forgetting at the end is she looks down and goes, oh, you have no power over me. Yeah, oh, and she, and that's obviously, of course we know that's important, but it's, she can't remember it because, it, and it's a key piece of her speech. Right. And she's like, oh, I always forget it. And this is Sarah, played by Jennifer Connelly, a very young Jennifer Young Connelly. Jennifer Connelly, yeah. Now, Sarah, she realized, oh, oh, I got to get home. I think the clock tower rings or something. something if yeah. I'm not, but she realizes I got to get home. And she rips off the costume. Yeah, and then we realize we see her jeans under the dress. Oh, that's right. No, she doesn't take it off. Yeah, we see yeah. the jeans. We, she pulls the dress up to run, yeah. and we see her jeans. And that I thought was just a great 
a moment where they reveal to you, oh, you're you're on Earth, and yeah. it's present day. But let's not forget to mention mm-hmm. before she does get home, we realize that Sarah is being watched by a very interesting looking barn owl. Yes. Something a white you, barn owl. A white barn owl. Something that you wouldn't see. In the daytime. In the daytime, just hanging out. So she's being watched. It's very important. Yes. So she gets home. And this is where we realize that Sarah has a very interesting family dynamic that what I thought was interesting is not explicitly stated. But, when but you it, understand what's going on. If you've been through that situation or you know someone that's been through a situation where mom or dad, something has, something has either happened to one of the parents or there's been a divorce and there's a new parent in the picture, a step parent. Mm-hmm. And then that step parent yeah. has a child. And they never explicitly say any of it, but it's very clear and it's it's that done well. Sarah is likely Sarah's father. She has a biological father mm-hmm. and a stepmother that she lives with. And she has a little brother named Toby. <laughs> the immediate connection to this movie for me <laughs> is my name's Toby and my sister's name Sarah. Except we're swapped. I, I was the older <laughs> yeah. sibling. Sarah was the younger. but in, And not that much of an age difference, right. obviously. In Labyrinth, Sarah's the older sibling. Toby's Toby, the younger yeah. brother. And you get the immediate, or at least I think well, if and you're... Well, and what happens, she gets home and has an immediate kind of, I don't want to say, art. well, it, it turns into an argument with the stepmother. Then she goes into her room and you see pictures of her and her father everywhere. And you get So the... you're like... Okay, that you're the new was, kid in town, like yeah. the, the stepmother's stepmother, and then you see Toby, who's a baby, and you're like, "Oh, and, that's their kid, right?" And so Toby, you, you come up with all that, yeah. And Toby and the stepmom have like similar hair color, yeah, they do. And Sarah and her dad have so. So I think that that was all to say, Sarah was a child of the father's of her father's previous marriage. Yeah. Now for however circumstances yeah. have happened and she's and she's been asked to babysit again she resents her and she's brother. like i don't like that my dad's going out with my stepmother and i have to watch their child like you can so you can see where her frustration comes from especially because she's a teenager so and forget it there's just that feeling of if you're in a situation whether it's divorce or, or heaven, parent, heaven forbid you know, a parent passes, passes away yeah. or, or something happens and there's that feeling of when one of your parents gets married to someone else and has a child it's you feel like you're left behind right and you want to emotionally you want to get either get away or you feel you know antagonistic towards that person it's normal to feel it can be worked through of course but when you're and especially sarah who is she's all about distancing herself from the real world this could be why it could have been she was already like that before and now she's just whoa like way and, into it Who and knows? i'm not saying right and i'm not saying that that is every situation like that no you know no doubt there's situations that the transition is smooth but i think it's also a commonplace situation to have someone have these feelings like sarah's having mm-hmm. and it was uh, kind of refreshing for jim henson to do that never explicitly but he no. kind of he kind of gave that nod to families that are dealing with that kind of thing very briefly but it's very important and i want to say it wasn't just this is easygoing family it was like hey here's a family that's got some bumps and bruises and right this is the family i'm focusing on so that was kind of nice because i was i mean you and i we were we were we were those families right so yes and cool. i want to say that the stepmom in this case isn't mean no I, th- I think she just is like she wants things to work and i think she's frustrated because sarah's not giving any right they're all, and, they're all frustrated yeah and the dad's trying to keep the peace and so, poor toby is the casualty of it all and poor toby who is probably looks like he's maybe 
maybe between 18, maybe not even 18 months. I was thinking between one and two, maybe. I don't um, think quite. Not, not quite, quite two, 18 months, no. Maybe not. Uh, but he's in that stage where he's crying. And, and he's walking. He, like, he could walk. He could crump, crawl upstairs. Like, yes, he could he's crawl. He's still cute. He's not annoying yet. Right. <laughs> no, that's a terrible way so, to say it. Well, when Sarah gets into her room after she has this tiff with her stepmom, yeah. we see the camera scan Sarah's room, and we see that Sarah is into Wizard of Oz. She's into all these fantasy stories. Yeah, Knights of the Round Table. Right. Because her bear's name's Lancelot. She, yes, her bear's name's Lancelot. And we like to take notes just so we can really remember, like, oh, we want to talk about that. And what I wrote was, Sarah is a dreamer, which is wonderful, but she doesn't want anything to do with the real world at all. And that's dangerous. Absolutely. Because the real world doesn't go away just because you don't want, just because you don't want to deal with it. Right. And in fact, Jim Henson actually said, and and we'll we'll come around to this point later, but Jim Henson actually said, my vision for this story was about taking ownership and responsibility for your life. Yeah. And we're going to talk about how Sarah learns that yeah. through her journey once she gets into the labyrinth. Right. Because, again, this film is called Labyrinth. Yeah. And so she gets in a fit of rage because the parents leave and Toby is crying. And R- let me tell you something. Bad. I don't know. I'm sure I have no doubt there's those parents that are like, oh, baby's crying, just never got to me. And it, I wish that I had whatever gift you had, if that's you. Um, there were times when both of our children who we adore, they're crying just, it can just make you crazy. Yeah, it can just make and you like, oh my gosh, like, yes, I, I do wish goblins would come and deal with this situation. What really did it, though, was her bear, Lancelot, was somehow in Toby's playroom. Yeah. And that, you know, again, parents have gone. They went on their Because she was upset, and even then she was like, oh, it's okay. Like, she felt right. bad and was like... Come on. But, but yeah, the Toby's, bear did it. Toby's crying. Her stress level's gone up. You know, mom and dad again are gone. Not going to be back till midnight. Sarah's evening is ruined. And she's telling him this really kind of wicked story. Then she starts telling him a story, yeah. Yeah, and it's like pretty mean. I'm like, I know he doesn't understand everything About you're saying, About how but goblins geez. are going to come get you and stuff. And, and all the while she's telling the, the story. All the while. Yeah. You see these, it like. It cuts over. Yeah. To these little creatures that are like, yeah, yeah, do it. And you're like, oh, God, what's so, happening? <laughs> so Sarah is being watched. And she's and summoning things. She and doesn't know it. So the story that she's been telling to her little brother and that she was acting out yeah, at the beginning of the whatever. film yeah, is real. What we're starting to realize when we see the goblins listening, and that's who they are, it's the goblins. And and they look totally Jim Henson. Yeah, like they're these wonderful. little, like kind of cutesy but ugly creatures. Yeah. So we start to realize, like, wait a minute. This story here is actually real. Right. So now they're the worlds are starting to intersect, even though they've been kind of intertwined the whole time, which didn't know. Right. Right. So Sarah starts to tell a story, and then she gets to this one part where she just says, oh, I just, you know. I wish. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Say it, say it, say it. Yeah. Sarah has to say it a certain way. She has to say a I certain the, quote. Yeah, what is it? I wish the goblins would come and take you away right now. That's what she has to say. Yeah. And she was almost saying it. And then right as she's walking out, she puts Toby to bed. She's coming down from being so upset. Yeah. She's like, all right, I got it. it." It's almost about to be just a frustrating night for Sarah. (laughs) But she gets to the door and she turns around and says, I wish the goblins would come and take you away right now. Boom. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) She's about to be. All right. And then she walks out and then she hears something. And I'll tell you what was creepy to me, even as an adult, uh, Toby suddenly stops crying, I think. Is what yeah, it was. yes. I think she stops hearing him, like, suddenly. So when she goes back into the room, you see his sheets kind of 
like, yeah. like move around real quick. She looks, she pulls the, cribs, the sheets, and sheets, Toby's yeah. gone. And though this is the, the genuinely the worst, scariest part of the whole movie is this right here. Right. Because she's in the dark. And she's dealing with the initial shock that Toby is gone right after she has said these words. Right. And then in the dark, here all these little goblins are dashing in and out yes. of shadows. I swear, I was like, Toby, this isn't okay. Like I was like, this is freaking yeah. me out. It's just real quick shots, and, and they're just jumping in and jumping out and ducking when it's she turns. It's very gremlins Toby is gone. Yeah, and, and she not, is not alone. <laughs> and she is not alone. And she's about to really not be alone, because at the window, we see the barn owl from the beginning of the yes. movie. Suddenly, the, her, the window to Toby's bedroom flies open, and you see the shadow. Yes. And it goes from, like, the owl shape to this figure yes. this tall figure and then suddenly and then here comes oh david prince david bowie <laughs> there the he shadows. is it's david bowie in and 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 not one scene does he not have a unitard on no he has a very elaborate outfit it's very it's very bowie yes that's there's no the there's way. not there's not there's his not hair way. is absolutely the one of the coolest things i know it's like he has like I mean, the mullet you can has say it's strands a mullet, but, that like, yeah, it's not, but it's but not. But it's crazy and, and it's. It's not business in the front, party in the back. No. It is all glam all the time. Right. So he's standing there and he's got this long cloak and this big collar and Eyeshadow, uh, like amazing, like silver eyeshadow. He's holding this crystal ball. Yes. And again, because David Bowie has such presence, you're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're kind of like, you know what? I'll go with you. It's fine. Right. Like, I, I'm sure it's all fine. <laughs> and he is cool and collective completely. He's like, Sarah, you know, this is what you wanted. He's Yeah, he's so chill about he's it. He's like, right? You Which is a little scary, actually, because he's not at all, like, worried. He's like, oh, no, you will you want this. Yeah, he's like, this is what you wanted. Like, we're going to take Toby. And she's like, no, 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 I was just... Like, you know, no, it, please let me have him back. Right, of course. Like anyone who gets really upset and they say things they don't mean and they do things they don't mean, Sarah realizes... But I feel like, like you can also see in her face that she's like, I mean, like, uh, would it be the worst? No. I don't she's think not she was, as upset she as was she was not be. prepared for it to actually be real. No, not the figure before her. Now, we're not going to call him David Bowie. No. The, no. Whole, the whole film. No. This is Jareth, the Goblin King. Yes. David Bowie is Jareth, the Goblin King. So Jareth, after an exchange with Sarah, realizing that Sarah actually isn't okay right. with it, says, well, okay, you have 13 hours to get through my labyrinth, get to my castle, and get Toby, or he becomes a goblin forever. That is the, That's the deal. main plot line. Yes. This is now Sarah's journey. She has 13 hours to get through King Jareth's labyrinth. She has to get Toby, or he becomes a goblin forever. Now... Interestingly enough, in that moment, you think, well, why didn't Jareth and the goblins just take the baby and go? Right. Jareth stays, has a dialogue with Sarah, mm -hmm. and then says, come come into my land. You got 13 hours to try to get through because he doesn't want just Toby. No, yeah, I was going to say, which begs the question, what does he, again, we asked, what does he really want? What does he it's really want? It's not this or, little baby. Or what else does he want? Right. right? Yes, true. Maybe in addition to. So you find that, it's more than so they take the baby, but yeah. then Jareth actually comes in and and all his regalia. Yeah, and now makes this offer. and now makes this offer for Sarah. Uh, to and say, this is where we call this. 
this is the English teacher me. This is what, what it's, it's what I notice now in every movie. It's the hero's journey because right. this is her call to adventure. Something has happened. She is going to go, and now it's going to be this you know journey of self evolving. I don't know. I feel like we see that in Jareth too, in a way, in a milder way. I think that again, being an adult watching this film, the person that I thought more about more than anything was Jareth. Yeah, like, we pretty much when know I was what a she's kid, I was like, yeah, Sarah, come on, get Toby back. But when I was in a, now watching this as an adult, I'm like, so what was up with Jareth? What That's is this? also story? because we're, we, we've done that. We've done right. the journey. Now we're more interested about the side characters that make right. stuff happen. Yeah. And again, Jennifer Connelly, Sarah is great. Oh yeah. But Jareth was just so layered and so deep and had, yeah. had so much depth there. And, and you just really, I think like where's his back like where's his origin story right. and I they did see they did Jared. do a series of comics which I'm not familiar with I wish I knew about those so yeah. we could you know discuss those but all that to say Sarah begins the journey in the labyrinth right it's essentially a massive maze filled with all kinds of just inexplicable creatures and details that Jim Henson is just brilliant right. all from the mind of Jim Henson. Well, and I think the reason why, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure, like it's not the labyrinth, it's labyrinth because the, that world is labyrinth. Right. The whole entire universe right. is labyrinth. That's what it's called. So by its very nature, it is a labyrinth. Yes. So Sarah begins her journey through the labyrinth and we realize right away that things are not what they seem. The labyrinth is magical. She can't navigate the labyrinth like she would a place on Earth. Like no. she starts off, she tries using lipstick to make uh, arrows yeah. on the tiles, and immediately these little creatures get up and move the tiles a different direction. Yeah, everything's alive. Everything is contributing to the chaos. And again, there, it's said several times, nothing is what it seems. But within the first few minutes, Sarah meets. I would. I guess he's a troll. He looks trollish, right? Yeah. And his name is Huggle. Hoggle. He serves as comic relief, but also... As like a companion of sorts. A, a companion. A companion, maybe a guide a yeah, little bit. But he, I don't want to say he's a mentor. He's not a mentor, but Well, he's... Hoggle has no interest in helping Sarah initially. No. In fact, Jareth and Hoggle, they know each other. Yeah. And that we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. But Sarah begins her initial journey in the labyrinth. She starts to figure it out. She's so knowledgeable in these fantasy stories yeah she figures okay if anyone's gonna get lost in a labyrinth probably better that it's me because i read all this stuff right um, and 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 she does have an been reading labyrinth she does have an act for it she's doing well so she's made a friend it's hoggle yes gets through a few hurdles and is like hey this thing's a piece of cake now meanwhile in king jareth's castle we have jareth Sitting on this throne, and even the way David Bowie sits, and even the way David Bowie is sitting on this throne, just the way he breathes, <laughs> is like cool. Yeah, he's like lounged on this throne, but his hand is in his head, so he's frustrated. Yes. So one and of the his little like goblins are just like bah, bah, bah. they're just yeah. like dancing well, and being weird. They're and... all there for his pleasure. Yes. But what do we get the feeling seeing him sitting there like that? He is bored. He's bored. He he's like well, we eventually came to the conclusion of which is not hard. He needs yes-men. He needs people to be subservient, but he also wants to be challenged to a degree. Right. To a degree where he can still squash it. So... But he want, Yeah, he doesn't... He, by no means, wants an equal. We get the... Now, again, being a kid watching this, I'm just like, oh, we're... You're not getting Look that, at all... No. You're not getting this. You're but like, oh, goblins, he's a king. He's the boss. Jareth is unfulfilled. Yes. Yes. And then the goblins start getting real... Little rowdy, little rowdy. They're and like it, toddlers. They and really are. In the midst of all this, 
is Toby. It's <laughs> just sitting there. The baby <laughs> in his red and white striped onesie. Now, right now, Jareth's not really messing with him. Uh, he's no. just in the midst of the goblins. Right. But that changes. <laughs> but eventually, the goblins get a little rowdy, and yeah. suddenly, Jareth just jumps up and breaks right into a song. Yep. You know, you remind me of the babe. And it's like, what babe? You know, it's yeah. That, that whole thing. The, the babe the with the babe. power. What power? Yep. The power of voodoo. Who do you do? Do what? Remind me of the babe. Like, Beautiful. And when you're, job. It, again, <laughs> it's so wonderful. Well, I'm, I remember being a kid like, what's, what's happening? What's going on? That's so that's so cool. This you know? is wonderful. <laughs> again. Yeah. Yes. Can't say enough about, I still feel the same way. About the music. It just starts. And then he goes right into it. I heard my babe. He just. And oh, then, yeah. Again, he's singing and the dance, way magic dance. I think it's amazing, and I think the toughest thing is Brooke and I have done. We've been involved in music, yes. and one of the things, and we both have played and sang. One of the things that I could never do is sing without like some kind of instrument. I always played a guitar, and it was mm-hmm. always nice having the guitar to hold on to and strum while I sung and be behind a little bit. Because I felt like, honestly, I'm not trying to just. <laughs> be silly but like if if i didn't have an instrument i'd be like i don't know what to do with my hands like <laughs> should i move should i like n- no i'm not gonna no i definitely the times will especially well, it, it depends on the arena if you're just singing yeah it's like ugh, but again you need an instrument <laughs> but again david bowie he doesn't have to have anything the way no. he's just he's singing and the way he's moving it's just it's just magic literally so he's going around singing and it's all about I heard my baby, like crying as hard as babe could cry. Like it, it, the, the song, it's called "Dance Magic Dance." It's all about how, like, and it's hey, just look. so eighties beauty. It's, it's wonderful, so, right? And 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 again, it's from Jared's perspective of, hey, what else could I have done? My baby was in trouble. He he wasn't getting what he needed, right? Yeah. And he goes around and he's taunting all the goblins, and then he picks up the baby and. The baby, like, at first we're like, okay, here we go. And he just smiles he, huge. And from that scene on, anytime. the baby is with Jareth. And David Bowie. And he enjoys like, the baby. He's so good with the baby. Like, we're like all I want like, him to watch my kids. I'm like, can you get King Jareth to come watch my kids? I know. Kids? And, like, what's funny is that I'm kind of like, you know what? Like, Toby's having a better time than he was at home. Right. I think that's. He's and, hanging and, out in the labyrinth and with David also, Bowie. Yeah. And I, I mean, Jareth. Sorry. No, no, seriously, though. But talking about Jareth as. The Goblin King. Yeah. As a character, he's unfulfilled, and he seeks to take care and nurture something that's not subservient to him I don't, completely. Right, right, not completely. Like, he could still wield power over, yes. but wouldn't be as dumb he as want, the Goblins. He wants something to be willingly subservient to him, maybe. Yeah, I think, well, I think he wants to mold something. Right. Because if he, like like Toby, for example, if he could raise Toby. Right, and he... To be... To be subservient, but also have his own will, like that would be the most fulfillment I think a type like him would enjoy. Kind of right. like Captain Hook with Jack in Hook. Yes, he wants you know, like it's it's another movie, but like he basically is like, I want to mold that right. that kid into something like me. But I do think that, and this is where we really get deep with Jareth. I really do think that Jareth wanted to care about them. Yeah, and I think he was into Sarah for real. I do. Yeah, I mean, well. For real, for a non-healthy person. Let yes, me say that. As much as he could care. Right. He did. Because he think, definitely was not n- healthy. He didn't look at Sarah and Toby like he did his little goblins. No. And no, the they thing, were little but, peons. But again, I just want to talk about how impressive it was to see David Bowie go from being annoyed to taunting these <laughs> goblins to, to singing. <laughs> to singing. Yeah, he went from like annoyed with the goblins to you know taunting them and stuff. Then to singing. And then he's 
with this baby and he's really good with the kid. And I was like, well, I mean, to be fair, he was like throwing him back and forth at one point. Uh, well, I mean, but I mean, but, the times when he's actually really holding. Oh, me. and we should talk about who Toby is. Yes, you can take this time. To talk um, about okay, Toby so Toby, the baby, the baby's name actually was Toby. His name is Toby Froud, and his dad was, I believe, it's Brian Froud. He was one of the he he worked on Henson Productions. Yes. He was one of the key figures with the Dark Crystal. Well, Toby Froud grew up and became part of the Jim Henson Company, and now he it, he worked on the most recent the dark crystal um age of resistance so he is now doing exactly just, what yeah, his dad did so cool. and he said he really believes it did begin with the labyrinth and i i always tell toby it was like when we're watching it it's funny because i'm like toby toby mm-hmm. um my toby my husband i said <laughs> about when i saw the baby smiles like i wonder if he saw his dad on set like i wonder if that was one of the ways they were able to get him happy because his dad was literally yeah. on set the whole time i think what you just explained really just adds to the magic of that scene yes watching it now because he was probably like with them anyway right so he had no he had no reason to be afraid of these puppets and you know jareth let's talk about one uh, one more thing about this song the dance magic dance yes. song there's a lyric <laughs> it goes dance magic dance dance magic dance put that baby spell on me then it goes jump jump magic jump put that magic jump on me slap that baby make him free right and for That's, years mm. for years since i've known you and i've known brooke for like 10 years <laughs> anytime more than t- that now. and we've talked about labyrinth quite a few times before yes. we you know started up 80s 90s podcast and was doing this episode but anytime we talked about the labyrinth brooke would always just randomly go slap that baby make him pee because I thought that's what the lyric was. Right. We didn't have Google on our phones what was in funny. 1997. What was funny. So I have lived a long <laughs> life thinking that it was slap that baby, make him pee. And we have to watch movies on subtitles because we have children and right, the volume's down. Well, and that, and it I was, was just, yeah. no, it was funny seeing you realize that in that <laughs> moment. Brooke, <laughs> Did I do? Brooke goes, slap that baby, make it. Wait, what? <laughs> what? And we rewound it. Yeah, and it was slap that baby, make him free. And I was like, I I was today years old when I found out that it was free and not pee. And I was like, well, and of course it's free. That makes more sense. Yes, because they, I was always like, why do they want to make him pee? Is it because they're goblins? Is it because they're gross? <laughs> they like that. They're like, ha ha, the baby peed himself. Like these are things that I've thought for years, right? For at least a decade, more than a d- man. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm also glad though. I feel like a weight has been lifted. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that it's chronicled now on the internet, though. No, that's important like, for sure. That's important because you would say anytime we talked about labyrinth. I'm glad that it like there's you just, proof. You it's would not say, just slap like that baby making pee. It's and there like, is and, proof. And I had no reason to believe that wasn't. It. I'd be like, yeah, just I know, a, you a, never corrected a goblin. So. A goblin would sing something goofy and, and gross nasty. like that. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's all about King Jareth. Yes. And his mind is it's better under here. In the land of the goblins with me. It's better. You don't have to worry about responsibility. Again, and this whole thing, this whole story is about Sarah taking control of her life. Right. And responsibility. Sarah continues her journey through the labyrinth after that wonderful song, that wonderful musical sequence. Yes. So Sarah continues on. Again, she's doing well. We find out, though, along the way that Hoggle and Jareth actually have a, a deal going on. Yes. And we find that out when Sarah gets to something called the Oubliette. I'm not quite sure what an oubliette is, no. other than Hoggle says, "Oh, it's a place in a labyrinth where you put things that you want to forget." Okay, like okay, I, I'm whatever. The bottom <laughs> line is, when she gets to the oubliette, Jareth is watching on his crystal ball, one of his many crystal balls that he's, you know, 
that he messing around yeah, with and juggles around and juggles throughout the whole film. And he's like, she wasn't supposed to get that far. So Jareth is like, okay, wait. I think he's both concerned and intrigued. He's yes, like, he's that's like, annoying Whoa. and hot. Yeah. So let's keep going. And he says, and Hoggle is supposed to be taking her back to the beginning. So, oh no. So she has struck up a friendship with Hoggle. And she's called Hoggle her friend. And, and, and we like, see that that's oh, I've ha- never had a friend. So and, he's yeah, all, right. We see know. that that's having an impact on Hoggle. Yes. As they continue on, we see that this is becoming more and more of a moral issue, an issue of conscience for Hoggle yes. because he's supposed to be working with Jareth. Jareth is, again, as Brooke said, intrigued and concerned. Yeah. Concerned to the point that once Sarah makes it out of the oubliette, he actually shows up. And the way he does show up is really cool because yeah. we see this little crystal ball come rolling by her and Hoggle as they're walking, and it leads up to this little, it looks like a little beggar, like a little puppet. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly the puppet, it's Jareth. He busts out the little... He just uh, busts out of it. <laughs> it was kind of freaky. I was and, like, all right. And he asks her, so how do you like my little labyrinth? You know, how do you like my... I know. I remember we were like, man! How do you, you like the digs <laughs> down here? Yes, basically. You know? But yeah, no, But and Sarah, of course, Sarah, cocky, arrogant, it's a piece of cake. And he goes, oh, well, let's see, let's see how you like this. And he, how much time does he take off of her 13 hours? He takes a few I hours. Can't remember, off yeah. In response to her saying, "Goes oh, if it's a piece of cake, then maybe you'll be cool with this." And he just like shaves like three or four hours off the time. Yeah. She goes, "That's not fair." And he goes, "Oh, you've been saying that." He's a like, lot. "You say that a lot." He's I, like, "I wonder oh, what." Oh, and he goes, gosh. "He goes, you say that often. I wonder what your frame of reference is." And I was like, "Boom, roasted." Yeah. I love you, Jared. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> because here's the thing. Here's what I told. I remember in that scene, I told my husband Toby, not the baby. I was like. You know, she kind of needs her butt handed to her a little bit. Well, she bit does. She's because she's yeah, kind of petulant and gets on my nerves. And again, she doesn't want to deal with. And maybe her, this is because life. this is the difference between thirty-three-year-old me and thirteen-year-old me watching it. And I was like, right. yeah, don't be mean to Sarah. But now I'm kind of like, girl, you need to grow up a right. little bit. So maybe that's where it comes from. But it's true because Sarah's like, that's not fair because it's true. Like, what is your frame of reference for that? Like, at what point has your life been right. fair the whole time? Anyway, so I don't know. I was well, kinda, I was kind of team Jareth in that moment. Yeah, definitely. No, I agree. <laughs> and uh, an, let's talk about another threat, which isn't really a a person or a monster or a a creature of any kind in the labyrinth. It's a place, the bog of eternal stench. <laughs> this is apparent. You know, we hear about it a few times. Hoggle is terrified of it, and Jareth uses the bog of eternal stench to threaten Hoggle yes. to get him to. The bog of eternal stench is what looks like a a, a marsh. Yeah, that smells terrible. It's apparently and, the worst thing in the labyrinth. Yeah, and if you if you if any part of you touches it, touches you'll it. smell forever. Like that, you can't ever wash it off. Yeah, that really is a horrible. Like I can't. That'd be awful. Well, th- this is something that we're hearing about that yeah. we haven't quite gotten there yet, but but it's a threat that's coming. So Hoggle and Sarah continue on, and then they again they're in the labyrinth somewhere, just in some place, and they yeah. hear this roar sound, and Hoggle immediately is like, "Peace, I'm out." Yeah, like he he, he does that every time. He this yeah he is not reliable. <laughs> but Nothing. he made no bones about that. He did like from the get go. He was I like, don't want to help. I don't want to help. I'm a coward. I'm afraid. This is who I am. Deal with it. So, but he keeps coming it's back. Nothing around. we didn't expect. He keeps coming around for a mixture of I do think he's beginning to care about Sarah, but also because he made a deal. He made a deal with Jareth. Now the roaring sound actually is this big hairy creature that's getting bullied by these little. They're goblin a, like soldiers. Little goblin kinda. soldiers. Yeah, he's he. You know, Sarah walks up on this big hairy creature hanging upside down, I think off a tree or something. Yeah, and he's getting picked on. This is Ludo. 
Sarah though has is obviously a brave person, you know. Well, and she can sense that because listen, this is a world she doesn't understand, right. so it could very well be anything. But somehow she senses this is not what it seems. This creature's not bad. These right. little things are. So she she throws rocks and. Well, if you notice, the rocks come rolling to her because he's roaring. Oh, I never noticed. I that. noticed that. Well, I didn't realize what it meant till later. And uh, I was like, and I was like, why did I was like, tell me why those magic rocks rolling? Like I didn't, I, <laughs> I oh, didn't know what they were. I, I had I no like, idea. I was like, do you see those rocks rolling? Uh, and you didn't answer. So I was like, okay, he dies, I guess. So yeah, there's little rocks rolling. She and she them grabs up. them and throws them at it strategically throws them yeah. at the little goblins and who so are she, useless. So she helps Ludo and they're fast friends because Ludo is pure just He's a big teddy bear. Yeah, just he's sweet and he's lovable and they're he really He's loyal quick too. Yeah. So and five minutes after meeting Ludo, they're walking <laughs> through this jungle and he falls through a hole and that's it. It's funny because he's like who? Like, yep. that's it. Literally, like, who? No, it's I'm not I'm not going to say that's it. Like, we never see Ludo again. But, but it was just funny because we just we were like, met oh, him. Oh, we just met him. And then, gone. And then Sarah goes on to meet the worst creatures in the labyrinth, Ugh. which is the Wild Gang. Yeah, the Wild Gang, not Wild Things. Yeah. They have a song, and they seem playful, and they seem goofy, but then they start to chase her. I kind of like the song. Right. I just hate them. Because right. it's the way they move their hips and stuff. It's upsetting. Yeah. And, and again, they go from playful to, hey, we want to take your head off. Yeah, take off your arms. You don't right. need to. Like, they're weird. And a, a surprising turn of events, the person that saves her from the Wild Gang is Hoggle. Shocker. Yeah, Hoggle comes back. He has a... An attack of conscience. Right. Which is the name of his game from scene one till the end. Well... As they're getting away from the Wild Gang, they end up falling down the chute. Again, guys, the labyrinth is filled with all these surprises. Well, they fall down the chute and end up, and suddenly we're introduced traumatically into the Bog of Eternal Stench. <laughs> which, again, as I said, is this marsh, but the sounds. It, it really. It's just like. It's just, you can go ahead. No, I'll it's let just you have a bunch it. of fart sounds. It's just farts. Yeah, it's all it is the whole time. It's all and you And burps hear. and, like, maybe barfing. I don't know. It's the worst. I hate it. I hate it. I'm a very, like, audio- like person, and I hate it very much. So the band of heroes is Sarah, Ludo, and Hoggle. Ho- so, and some t- and, you know, featuring Hoggle because yeah. sometimes he's around, sometimes right. not. Right at the Bog of Eternal Stench, they meet another person, very important, <laughs> who we love, who who is my favorite of the band, really, <laughs> and that's Sir Didymus and his dog Ambrosius. They're Ambrosius. the gu- they're the guards of this bridge that leads out of the stench, the bog. Yeah. Right. So they're kind of the guards of, I guess, and it's the not, exit. It's not clear. Is I don't know. Maybe it's Jareth, but he's, he has been tasked yes. to not allow anyone to leave without his permission. Right. So is it Jareth, or could it be, because he, if he's been there so long, who knows who could have actually tasked right. him with it. And what's funny is Didymus has been at the bog, I guess, for so long. Yeah. He doesn't realize that it smells bad there. No. So he just thinks it he thinks it smells wonderful there. They're like he's like, Or that he's about? immune. Yeah. He's yeah. like, what are, you, what are you talking about? You know? Bless him. And he's a, a dog. He's some kind of little He's like a little I mean, like I don't want to say he's not okay, a Pomeranian, but I, I like, don't know what his some breed kind of is, terrier. He's like a little dog though. He's um, precious. And he's funny. He's very um what is it? Chivalrous? Yeah. He, he yes. lives by this code. He's like he a speaks. knight. Yeah. I told him he's he reminds me of like Reepicheep. Like he has that much gusto and like he he keeps saying I'm not afraid of anything and he's not like even right. no, even really to a fault anything. he's not no, afraid he's of not. anything. Now I think we we might have skipped one little detail. Oh. I'm just gonna say at some point 
Hoggle runs into Jareth again before all this. That's and, right. And Jareth gives her a peach. It and was says, in the yeah. It's in the forest after this. Yeah, but either way, just again, they're moving past really major points in the labyrinth. It's going really well for Sarah. For Sarah, she's getting closer and closer to Toby. And then Hoggle is like, he doesn't want to because by this point he really does care for Sarah. Sarah has saved him from the bog. Yeah. And helped him, you know, get out. Because and now, Jareth was like, she doesn't really care about you. He, right. you know, he's just pulling the the typical, like, um, narcissistic, like, oh, no so, one yeah, like you. Jareth has given her this fruit to give to Sarah and saying, yeah, I just give it to her, you know. Yeah. It'll, it'll, well, it'll he, take, it'll and take he works on his, you know, on his weaknesses as a character and, and therefore, you know, Hoggle kind of well, gives into it. Yeah. Hoggle does get into, uh, give into it because eventually when they move on a little beyond the, the bog, it's Sir Didymus and Ambrosius, Ludo, Hoggle, and Sarah, and Hoggle, uh, they, they talk about, the group talks about being hungry and Hoggle gives Sarah the peach. She bites it and immediately she's like, what have you done? And yeah, she starts getting woozy and falls and asleep. And then she goes into this dream sequence where we see another side of Jareth, where we realize, you know, obviously while Sarah is in this dream state because of this this uh, enchanted peach, right? She's visited by Jareth. Yeah, and yeah. This is, we know it's yeah because he gave Hoggle the peach, so who knows what how he magicked it? But we see, but we see that it wasn't just like some weird hallucination or some like she doesn't like trip out or anything she's in this gown in this ball and it's like a 1980s meets romantic era ball yeah it's like a masquerade ball yeah and of course there's a david bowie song uh, as the world falls down it's like a love song yes and there is jareth and they start dancing and that's where we realize but what i think is interesting about that scene is that we see way more about Jareth than about Sarah. Because you have to think, if we're watching, if we're in the movie, generally the movie is going to play toward we see the movie through the protagonist's eyes. And in that sequence, we see it through Jareth because he is watching her. She keeps getting lost in this crowd of masked people, kind of freaked out. And he's very hunter-like, almost enjoying watching her make her way through the maze of people to him. Mm-hmm. And he's orchestrated all that. Yeah. So he's enjoying watching her. So it's just like a it's like a microscopic picture of what's going on outside of that bubble. And then when they finally does dance with her, and the lyrics are very like "Love me" and da 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 da. And yes. what? How, now, how does it end? How does how do we break she, out of well, that sequence? The thing is, is that Sarah has a really strong will. Yes. She loves her, which she is real, why look, he likes her though. It's why he's into her. She loves her little brother. Yeah. And she basically just she kind of she kind of breaks the spell a little bit and essentially there's a window and she shatters it and jumps out of the dream. But she's not completely out of the woods because she ends up with the junk lady. (laughs) Right. And the junk lady is also an agent of Jareth. Yes. Because her job, she has recreated Sarah's room. Yeah. Remember? Yes. Sarah lands in the junkyard and then runs into this room. She's like, you don't need this. She goes, oh, you're here with, here's, oh, the teddy bear. Oh, here's your dog. So she starts, so Sarah is in a, a room that looks exactly like her room yeah, with all of her things. And she throws herself on the bed. She tells herself it's a dream. So it's all to keep her yes, in this place, right, in this state of limbo. And essentially the, the purpose delaying of the, the purpose of her yeah, getting to Toby. And to make her forget her purpose. Mm-hmm. Eventually, again, <laughs> what makes her realize that she needs to keep going is in the very room. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was a neat thing. In the very room that was trying to imprison her with the junk lady, she sees the book, her labyrinth yep. book. And that's where she realizes, 
no, this is not real. This isn't my room. I need to go. Yeah. She she remembers her quest. She busts out of the junkyard area and somehow is immediately reunited. Yes. Just very quickly, she's reunited with the gang. Ludo, Hoggle, Ambrosius, and... And Didymus. And Didymus. Now, after this, they are... They are on the cusp of getting into the castle, and this is when Jareth unleashes his goblin army. Yes. and then, Which is just, you know... Yeah. They're not necessarily skilled in combat. No, they're just a bunch of them. This isn't... That's uh, it. Let, let's put it this way. <laughs> this isn't like the uruk that left Isengard no, these to go are the orcs. to Helm's Deep. These are the goofballs. Yeah, these are the goofy orcs that can't get it together. The ones that are like, we're hungry. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, yeah that That's what of... I kept thinking when I was watching this. Like, these are like just miniature orcs. Yeah. Like, just... In a, in, a, in a more attractive Sauron. Yeah, they're just, That's in, all this they, is. Yeah, just in <laughs> a large, inept band of goblins yeah. is Jareth's army. And they have helmets. That's about it. Right. And using the skills of Sarah, Ludo. And Ludo summons the rocks. Yeah, as that's we saw. where we start to see that mm-hmm. Ludo can summon rocks. Yeah, because right? he says, Rocks, friends. Right. So you're like, Oh, you sweet thing. <laughs> they're able to. So the, the, the band of heroes is able to foil Jareth's goblin army. As they enter the castle, we see the room where dance magic dance was done. Yes. It's empty. And then they're ready to go in. It's so sweet. The, the whole group's ready to go in. And Sarah goes, guys, I have to do this alone. And they say, okay, but should you need us? Yeah. Like, we're, we're, they wait for her. Yeah, out, that's Dennis like, as well. Should you need us? Yeah. Like, he's so and, sweet. and they all say, they go, yeah, should you need Just us? Just call us. Yeah. No, no, no. She says, I'll call. I'll call. Right. Sarah and Jareth's big face-off essentially begins with this kind of cat-and-mouse chase through a a strange, illusional staircase room. Yeah. Where there's stairs that are upside down, stairs that are right side up. And yet another are, Bowie song. And another Bowie song. And Toby, she's trying to get to Toby. Right. Jareth's just watching it. Mm-hmm. He's watching Sarah vainly try to get Toby. Everywhere she goes, he ends up someplace different. And again, it's all part of the labyrinth. It's all part of Jareth's scheme. Yeah. And then eventually, Jareth actually comes face-to-face with Sarah. And their face-off is not like this battle. No. Because Jareth doesn't want to harm Sarah. Right. This is what we're what we're getting at. Yeah. Jareth presents this case. Look, everything I've done, I've done for you. That's what he tells her. So this is yep. different from what we are seeing at the beginning. It's not just about Toby. No. Never was. So what 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 are you uh so I'm I'm looking at parts of their of their showdown sort right. of I say showdown, it's really not. But uh she says, Give me the child. Sarah, beware, I have been generous up till now, I can't be cruel. Generous, she says. Uh what have you done that's generous? And I love this because it's it just shows his narcissism mm-hmm. and how he's trying to really make it like it's well, honey, it's your fault. He says, Everything, everything you wanted I've done. You asked that the child be taken, I took him. You cowered before me, I was frightening. I've reordered time. I've turned the world upside down, and I've done it all for you. I'm exhausted from living up to your expectations. Isn't that generous? Like, I'm like it's, oh, yeah, you're it's the your worst. fault, Sarah. You're the worst. So, oh, and then his the big line though of his that show that drove home the point that we made is he says to her, "Just fear me, love me, do as I say, and I'll be your slave." That is so. Interesting. Yes, because there's I mean, a lot happening. I mean, in like that we've already been at this like around an hour, but to unpack that line alone, I know. Fear me, first of all. See, that's where we say he can't fully. He can't have an equal. That mm. would never work. Love me. Eh, okay. Uh, do as I say. Again, 
and I'll be your slave. That's I'm like, what's crazy. What? But because that's but what he he is into her. I think he is. No, <laughs> exactly because he has done all this. He has moved heaven and earth, sort of, just to try to he get her, her and entrap him. her. Yeah, but she's I mean, he'll too take strong. Toby too. But I think he wants Sarah. Yeah, because we, I mean, we know in the beginning of the movie, he was watching her. He all this was time. watching Sarah, and that's and that I think you highlight a key point. He wasn't watching Toby from no. the from the window of his nursery. He was watching Sarah, and he was watching that scene. So remember so in the that, beginning, because this, so, this right here, what we're talking about, this is the scene. So then that leads us to present the case of Toby was simply a a, a ploy, a means to an end. Yeah. as far as getting to Sarah, he wants a companion. Yes, because if he'd he'd obviously watched her long enough to know that he did she did care about Toby, but she was he was also the source of her frustration. And the interesting thing, what so so what breaks Jareth's spell, or or what really causes because we're preparing for a showdown, right? J- Jareth isn't going to let Sarah leave, no, right? Well, that's what we think. But then Sarah makes the proclamation. Yes, and she she we see okay, we remember these lines from the beginning. The, the lines from the beginning, the one the and line she that she couldn't it. remember at the very beginning. And she says and she goes, Oh, this part I always forget this part. And then she goes, Wait, you have no power over me. And as soon as she says that as soon as she says that, Jareth is holding a crystal ball to show Sarah like everything that could be yeah. if if she stays with him. Jareth drops the ball. He turns into the owl. And Sarah and Toby are immediately back home. And we're back. Yeah, he flies out the window. Yeah, we're back in gone. the room. And literally everything's restored. So stopping right there, <laughs> why would Jareth just let her go? So again, and that's yeah. why I think that... We don't have an answer, but we like to try to answer I'd it. like to try to think that Jareth was like, okay. I think he it didn't go the way he wanted. No. But I think that he had some sort of, again, it might have been unhealthy, but he had some sort of regard for Sarah. It remi- to me, it's a very Her- Hannibal Lecter, Cleary, Starling kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, again, the movie ends there, but we like to imagine that the, the lives of those characters, you know, are still around. I'm kind of like, did he ever leave her alone? Really? Did well, no, he? You gonna, know what I mean? And, yeah. And, and, well, yeah, we'll get there. But, like, I, it makes me wonder, like, I mean, I don't think it was just, okay. I think it was almost more like no. you won this round. Perhaps. And then continue. But... <laughs> Well, Sarah's back home. Right. She has a newfound love and appreciation, a bond for Toby. Because Toby's asleep when when this all, she looks in the crib yeah. and he's just sleeping. They actually maybe now actually have a relationship. For the for, really, for the, probably really, for the yeah. first time. So maybe not newfound. Yeah. Yeah, because all. she's, it's only ever been through the eyes of her dad and stepmom and now she has had this ordeal with Toby. She, yeah. And she gives him Lance a lot, which is sweet. Yes, that really kind of brings the teddy bear. circle. Back in her room, though, Sarah starts to she sits back down. It's like, okay, this is where I was at the beginning. And she's then, at the, she's she's the, she's back to her home, but she's different. She's changed. She is, and not only that, we start to see in the mirror behind her, hmm. her old friends, and this is just what gives me all the feels. You yes. see Hoggle, and you see Sir Didymus, and you see Ludo, and they and they all are saying same thing as in the tower. You know, Should you need us? And that she says, but I but I do, but I do, and that's where again, what I think is another really powerful message in the story and that's that you can absolutely have a childlike heart stories that give you an escape yes a powerful imagination but you are also here on earth and you have responsibilities and you have to be able to dedicate yourself to living your life responsibly right but also should you need us like should you need those things these stories yeah yeah then call it immediately made me think about 
my office with all of my action figures. Yep. And I feel like, honestly, guys, and that's why I think we said it. We said it last episode, last I think. Episode, <laughs> fill your office. Or maybe if you don't. Fill your you, space. Whatever you your space fill, is. You don't have to fill it to the brim. I mean, it's gotten pretty nuts in me and Brooke's offices, it's true. respectively. We have, but, we have issues. <laughs> but, but even if it's just one or two, even if it's just a few friends from your childhood that yeah. got you through or that, that, that made things lighter or that just created a world for you when you were a child you know to have those things and for me that that's they they're all standing in my office and when things get hard and when life gets really really rough at work and stressful i feel like they're like hey should you need us there's the power rangers yep there's the ninja turtles there's spider-man there's the guardians of the galaxy you know they're like hey should you need us you know like grab you know pick one of us up and let us take you to a better time. Let us lighten the load, right? Exactly. And what's great about that moment is that they all. He goes, "Well, why didn't you say yeah, so?" Yeah, yeah. He's like, "I do need." you. And she even like that. some of the gob, even like the the awful wild creatures, they're there oh, the too. The goblins are like, "Hey, yeah, we're here too." The goblins are like, "Look, we never really had any bad issues yeah. with you." Like, the, well, the, yeah, they're all it. dancing to dance magic dance. <laughs> yeah, I think you made a good point though. Um, the goblins are not these sinister creatures. The, honestly, I think that if they had someone really benevolent over them, I think they'd be happy. They they're just they're they're like sheep. They can just be ruled. Yeah, they, they can don't have be... any will of their own. But again, I am not going to say that Jareth is totally sinister. No, I just think that he's unhealthy. Yeah, so he does unhealthy things. Right, and and again. But now that leads us to what happens well, after this moment. At, so while they're partying, Sarah is reunited with her friends, and as they're partying, the camera zooms out, and we see on a tree, intently watching the festivities, is Jareth as as the, the owl, owl. Yeah, as the barn owl. And then he flies away. And he flies away. But that was what we and talked about for a powerful. while. That was powerful. That said so much. You but know? that's because. But but it spoke to also. He can't. Sarah has relationships with these otherworldly creatures because they cared right. for her. They had a big heart. They were loyal. They were brave. They were kind. And Jareth is none of those things. He doesn't have real relationships because he's not looking to care. Or to extend care. He's looking to manipulate and to control. So he can only ever view from a distance what he wants. Which is the same way with the ball. He was always viewing her from a distance. And even when he had her, she got out of it. So So I feel like that's the greater commentary on why he can't have what he wants. And Brooke and I took two interpretations of the ending. I think he went to go find someone else. Like he's never... To get that from... He's going to go find another one to watch. Sarah might not have been the first one. You get the feeling that Jareth is probably very old. Yeah. Um, I think he likely left Sarah and then went to find someone else. However, just as likely was Brooke's take. My take is, and I'm a, I'm a student of literature, so I'm thinking of things like Peter Pan, mm-hmm. which is positive, sort of, in a way. I'm thinking of Dracula. I'm thinking of Silence of Limbs again. Uh, these these people like people like Dracula, people like uh, that they they come and they don't leave you alone, right? Because they're they're whatever it is. There's a fixation. Like when I think of Dracula and like Lucy or Mina Harker, he mm. came back to prey on them over and over and over. So I right. look at Jareth as I do believe he has a, a a true affection for her, as unhealthy as it may be. I maybe to me I like to think maybe she won round one. What happens uh. when she's twenty? What right. happens when she's 25? Does he come back? Does he say, uh, you know, oh, let's try this again? I don't know. It's just fun know. to think about. Yeah, I don't know. Because I think because it's just, that makes I it a lot darker. I think it's just as likely that he would just go and try to find someone who would be willing to yes. 
they're, take him they're up all on his valid. offer, which is fear me and do as I say and I'll be your slave. Fear me, love me, do but as I, I say. But I think, it, again, I thought that that was good too, but... Can you just both take, would make for a good movie? And again, guys, I know that we're this is the longest show we've done. Are you sure? I, I'm pretty sure this is all right. I'm, all, I'm okay with it. I feel like the subject I'm matter okay deserves it. it. Yeah, but I'd like you. We talked about Jareth's Enneagram, yes, and okay. Brooke, you specifically had some stuff on that. Okay. So we had a lot of fun. The last time we did the Enneagram thing, we did this with um Jack Skellington, yes, and I would really like to hear what we had about Jareth because we did find some stuff from what I've seen. And I think look with enough study and look at things, you could probably argue for several others, Mm -hmm. but from what I've seen most widely, he is a Enneagram five, which I don't have a lot of experience with. So I had to read up on it. The blanket statement from his thinkers who tend to withdraw and observe. And what do we see him doing in the very first watching? Yeah, exactly. He's it's the investigator is what it's called. Okay. And I totally get that. It says people of this personality type essentially fear that they don't have enough inner strength to face life so they tend to withdraw to retreat into the safety and security of the mind where they can mentally prepare for their emergence into the world and he lives in the underground right so there you go um and he's but he, he does seem to have very little regard for our world mm-hmm. right he, he just seems he seems to want to pull from our world and and you know and he's and it says they're very intelligent um, oh he's yeah he's and they obviously. are they have artistic inclinations hello it says they're often a bit eccentric. They feel the need to alter their beliefs to accommodate majority opinion. I don't think that's true of Jareth, however. I think, well, I don't, I don't know. I would think that being the Goblin King and then, and then, but at the same time telling someone I'll be your slave, I think he'll take whatever form to get what he wants. That's true. But, and see, here it know, says the debate. problem The problem for fives is that while they are comfortable in the realm of thought, like, you know, like in their mind palace, essentially, they are frequently a good deal less comfortable when it comes to dealing with their emotions the demands of a relationship, or the need to find a place for themselves in the world, which is true because he's trying to find a place for Sarah in his world. Right. So fives tend to be shy, which, non-intrusive. Which is probably why he has no regard for a place like Earth. Exactly. He's trying to pull from Earth into his world. Where he has power. Yes. Wow. Which is, which is where he, which is his land of thought because the labyrinth is his. Wow, okay. I yeah. know. This is insanely accurate. So, um, but, oh, and this makes sense too. Fives are usually somewhat restrained when it comes to emotional expression. However, they have, they often have stronger feelings than they let on. Yeah, Jareth never loses his cool. He never. But he also feels more than he lets on for Sarah. He do, Oh, no, he does. But he never gets, like, angry. He never yeah. gets enraged, which tells me that, not that he doesn't have that side to him, but again, I, we are Team Jareth yes, here. Yes, I'm sorry. Know? We just are. But. We've seen some of those layers really watching the film and stuff, and there's a lot more to him. Yes. Even that, you know, that we didn't even discuss. I think there's just a lot more to him, and I think it's just how how well he was portrayed. Yes, and even with just the little we read on the the Enneagram 5, like, it's so crazy accurate, and, like, it makes sense, like, trying to understand him as a character. So that's super fun. Again, we've been at this for a while, guys, and a lot of this has just been – the time has just went by so quick. It's been fun for us. It's been fun just <laughs> unpacking this film, but also really the the character of Jareth going back to the beginning, you know, he commands this film. He does. And his complexities are what make it so successful so. because we kind Sarah's game is pretty easy to get. Not that not that it's not that to lessen it, but 
it's pretty easy to get a beat on Sarah. It is not as easy to get a beat on Jareth. And that's no. the, that's where the fun is. And he says some things that almost take you in this circle that you keep going around and around yes. and around and around. It's like never ending. I know. And that's just... So interesting. That's just excellent direction, excellent writing, and, and an excellent performance by David Bowie, of course. But yeah, so that is Labyrinth. And if you have not seen it... Man, go see it. Man, go see it. It's on Disney Plus, isn't it? No, is it? you. I you thought th- it was. That's right. Thought I thought it was, it was on Disney okay. Plus, and we, I was destroyed. We, ha- we have it on DVD, and Brooke, when we watched it, you said, "We have it on Disney Plus, right?" And I looked for it. Yes, I thought we did. It's. I mean, it's for rent. I think on like Amazon Prime. Okay. Like, if you want to see it, and you yes. don't have it, you don't have access to the DVD or something. It's and, out there to rent, so you should definitely watch it and it's experience amazing. it. It really is. It's a great film, and I just love the ending with her going to this fantastical place. Her learning something about herself and being a better person afterward, getting victory over it. Yeah. And then coming back home and realizing that anytime she needs her friends, the best parts about that world, she can have it. Yes. I just I think that's and what she we would and all want. sidebar, she did have their figure the figurines. She did, yes. And as we do too. And of course we we're, we're always, you know, we'll always recommend that again. Should you need us. All right. Well, let's close things down for the week. It's sad. But should you need us? Just we're call. on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> We're on Instagram at the tape store. And of course, we're on several platforms as far as uh, our podcast. Check out our past episodes and, you know, give us a like, give us a review. Uh, We are just having a blast, though. This has been fun. And this is Toby. And this is Brooke. And we will see you next time with more 80s and 90s nostalgia on the tape store. Guys, take care. Bye.